Hello, and welcome to the Who's in Charge podcast, seeking out a Canadian leadership style by diving into difficult moments. I'm your host, Conway Huey. Remember to visit the podcast website at conwayhuey.ca for other episodes. In this episode, I call back east, or as it's known there, central Canada, to our nation's capital, Ottawa. There, I corralled together my longtime beer buddies and fellow mid-level leaders, Alexander Gavel and Daryl Bannon. Both also make big decisions in their jobs. Let's hear what they have to say. It's been a while since we've all been in one place. Two whole days. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe five years. And five years before that. <laughs> I'll start off this this podcast episode by um, saying that this is take two because take one didn't work out so well. Yeah, so a couple days ago, I got us all together, led you two into a giant trap where I massively failed uh, by using the wrong browser for the for the recording. I could either talk or I could record, but I could not talk and record. So step one, uh, owning up to it. That was totally me. Um, step two, uh, what am I doing about it? Well, I, I wrote a checklist now. So now on my little checklist, it says run the right browser before you start the meeting and hit record. So that's my lesson learned. Yeah. Here today with my good friends, Alexander and Daryl, please announce yourself. So we know what your voice sounds like. My name is Alexander. Hi, I'm Daryl. So I'm looking for specific examples stories when you failed like i did a couple of days ago even small things we learn from right if you want to go into another topic i have some examples yeah sure well you, you that can't we want to talk about yeah daryl go ahead okay so uh, i was uh i was i was working as a person in charge of a school for running courses in toronto some years back and this and part of my job involved taking care of the budget. So I had to, I was just kind of thrown into this role because the last person left for whatever reason. And my responsibilities included taking care of the budget, which meant making sure that uh, the money was spent in the correct way for the correct purposes. So, and so one of the, so myself, I made it numerous errors in this regard where I would, uh, because of usually because of time constraints, because I couldn't wait for the bureaucracy to catch up, I would just approve funds because I knew they were there, but I, I'm not supposed to be the person signing for this. And I just like, yeah, just go ahead, spend it. We'll deal with the, the consequences later. And, you know, a lot of the time I can get away with that by having good relations with the adjutant and the chief clerk. But there were also a couple times I got caught. One big one where I got caught was. Uh, without going into numbers, let's say 10% of the budget, I was off. And it was it was enough that it uh, threw um, the unit into chaos because that money has to come from somewhere else in the unit to uh, to cover that that yeah. loss. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, so obviously I got my my knuckles wrapped for that and it was, it was quite a big deal. And to, to this day, I'm not entirely sure how I made the mistake because there was a lot of things going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was uh, held accountable for, for that sure. error. So what what was the effect on the ground of 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 that? Yeah, so the, so there's definitely repercussions, and and uh, so the following year, uh, of course, there's going to be more strict rules that came into play, uh, and 
they um, uh, more strict rules, not just for me, but for everyone in terms mm. of how the spending was going to be accounted for. And they, uh, they, they lowered the amount of money that we were allowed to spend, not because there was less money, but because they were worried that we were going to overspend. Okay. Just so, so yeah. <laughs> create an artificial counter. limit. Yeah. Yeah. For myself, uh, you know, going forward, uh, I had to have like weekly uh, meetings. And so going back to what we were talking about before, about how you don't want shit to slide down to your subordinates. So at my level, I got my knuckles wrapped and it wasn't actually, you know, serious consequences, but I suspect that the CEO, because she would have had to ask for, so our commanding officer of the unit would have had to ask for more money to cover that budget shortfall. Mm. So she probably got shit from her yeah. higher up. Yeah. Uh, and so she did, uh, you know, probably stop that from coming too much down onto me. So a couple of questions then. Mm. First is, how did you feel when when they brought you in and said you're way over and, and this is what's going to happen now? Uh, when someone puts blame uh, on me, but probably on people in general, the first response is denial. Of course it's denial. It's like, nope, nope, I didn't make any mistakes. You deny everything. And then, you know, um, I don't know if it goes right from denial and all those stages to acceptance that that's uh, probably more detailed than the way these things really work. But definitely first thing is like, oh, I, I couldn't have done that. That's not possible. Something else has gone wrong. Someone else made a mistake. And then, you know, there's slowly um, an, an acceptance. You get somewhere closer to acceptance uh, over time, whether that's hours, days, whatever, as other facts and other things are become clear. Yeah, can, you, can you guys speak to that kind of experience where you found... Uh, you know, someone has accused you or blamed you of something in the in your work uh, environment, and then you respond by immediately, no, 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 it couldn't have been me. But then, you know, eventually you get to accepting that later on. Well, Daryl, do you remember in Yellowknife when we were on the plane going down to Edmonton? Uh, we got accused of um, speaking about another person. Oh, right. Yeah, I, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you those, think about it, like... Those are the best stories, a long time ago. Yeah, that's right. Someone was eavesdropping on our conversation. That's right. So we, Daryl and I were just at the airport. We're having a chat about uh, nothing. And, nothing it wasn't anything. anything important. That's right. Like, and then, yeah, and then we, we went to Edmonton, came back. And then also... Who was it who came to talk to us? Like with a CO or something? No, or? it was a J3. J3. <laughs> Initial, initially. Then we had to go talk to the uh, the uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Anyway, we, we were having just a, a fucking nothing conversation. Like just because we were in, we worked at different areas. So we we're just talking about nothing important. Like, and then all of a sudden we come into work and they're like, hey, um, we just need to ask you a couple questions. Supposedly there was this like redhead and another guy. <laughs> talking shit about all these people in the military <laughs> <laughs> and we're like i don't know what you're talking about like yeah this redhead and stuff and so we're like pondering like i don't know we're we're at the airport <laughs> and it was like a member spouse who a guy who retired from the forces like a while back had accused us of talking all this crap about all these people from uh, the unit and so we got hauled, got taken in front of. We're like, what? We we're accused of making. Uh, I don't want to say it's not drug like comments or something about uh, an, another member of. And it, yeah, it, it really turned out to be 
a really stupid thing, but yeah. got hauled in front of all these different people, having to explain the situation, being like, I'm pretty sure like that was probably us talking, but we were just talking to each other about nothing of anything, if anything important. Yeah, yeah. And the people that you're accusing us of talking about are actually people, friends of ours, and we actually like them. And then anyway, lo and behold, it went full circle and the left-hand colonel was really good about it. He was like, listen, it's a small town. Lots of people have nothing better to do <laughs> other than to stir crap up. You didn't he basically tell us just to talk more quiet, quietly. <laughs> I think so. He's like, yeah, but at the same time, and this comes down, like there needs to be like, People need not like I know we weren't venting. We we're just talking. We were literally just talking about nothing. But people do need an opportunity to vent about certain things. Yeah. And yeah. it is very difficult, especially in maybe the Canadian forces, how small it is, to vent about anything because everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Right. People need someone to to talk to and vent about that. Isn't their their direct their direct superiors or subordinates. And they, if you don't, if, but it's the same, like, okay, fine, you got the Padre, but if you can't go to your buddy and be like, hey, man, this is what mm -hmm. occurred. Yeah. Like, can I just talk to you through this situation without a repercussion? Yeah. Like, and within reason, because if you've I don't know, committed a crime or whatever, like, done something serious, hey, man, like, I just killed someone, like, I hit them in my, from my car or on the way to work. A little different, but that's a little you, grim. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying, like, there you need you need a buddy or someone yeah. that you can actually just have an open conversation without a repercussion, because then that's how you can actually work through situations and then avoid using the chain of command. Like, so let let's reverse the situation, right? So you're the leader. People come to you. You're the people who work for you with problems. What do you do? How do you mentor them into actually coming to you with solutions? Maybe I'll, I'll jump in here. So um, I, I think it firstly depends on the kind of problem. So there's a lot of different problems you can encounter. Uh, I like the mental health one. Maybe I'll, I'll go with that one first, but that's not necessarily the most common problem. But if, you, if someone comes to you with... Um, uh, some sort of mental health or or some sort of it never no one ever calls it a mental health issue firstly right they're going to come to you and they're going to be like okay i'm i'm you know i need time i'm stressed or something but they're not going to say oh i i have disorder a that that's not really how it works uh, they'll come to you and you know they'll be like i need time i need extra uh, consideration in in whatever way and i find that the first approach is probably just to talk to them and i don't want to say be a counselor cuz i i'm not but that is part of it. You pretty much have to just be an active listener for a period of time and hear them out and hear everything yeah. they have to say. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of create, I don't know, like figure out what their story is, I guess. Because you already know something. You know their, their tombstone data, I'm sure, but you're not going to know what's all these other things that are going on in their life, whether they have issues with their partner, which may be the case, whether they have um, uh, some sort of medical issues. Now, they're not supposed to tell you their medical issues, but they may touch on them. Uh, and then you have to keep that in confidence, anything they do say to you. Uh, but you let them give their story, and then that, that will you know, step from there. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we have this, this 
leadership principle. It's called treat subordinates fairly. But you know, I I think it's it's evolved a little more into what you're talking about, which is really like practicing empathy and listening to people. Empathy's right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, six seven years ago. Um, we uh, now this isn't PTSD, but this is kind of mental health related. But uh, I I was sitting in my office in the morning. I come in a bit early, close the door. No one knew I was there, and uh, the guy who was next to me, who was like the the section leader, someone came into their office and just started screaming at them, and you know full on like saying all kinds like yeah. telling him that he had all kinds of disorders, whatever, and he actually handled it pretty well. In this case, he just told the person to go back and, you know, think about what they're saying before they came back, screamed at him again. But bigger picture, what ended up happening was uh, the person who had been screaming without going into names or specifics, they put it in a complaint. There was a lot of issues. The way the military dealt with it was they decided that that person needed to leave the unit and they basically posted them out. And that was how the military dealt with it. And the military probably still does deal with it to a certain extent in that way they just say okay they decide who's which one or or maybe two people are the nucleus of the problem let's just send them somewhere else and yeah. we'll resolve the issue that yeah. way uh, now again i don't think that's necessarily the best way to deal with things but it does it, in this case it did solve the problem fast uh, fast forward you know, did it or did years. it just move the problem somewhere else so exactly yes so yes it, <laughs> that's very true it solved the problem for the unit where i was at did it actually solve problems? Mm, I don't know. I can't say for sure. So would, Probably would, not, though. would you have done anything differently? Like having overheard that, being a witness? Um, so for myself, honestly, in the, in the 60 seconds or two minutes that it happened, I was, I, it would be very hard to sure. react. Yeah, yeah but you what know, about it, afterwards? You know? Afterwards? I think afterwards, the first thing is probably to do nothing and let everyone cool for a bit. For sure, I think that's that would that was right. Uh, but maybe an hour or two later, uh, the wise thing to do, or that I should have probably done, would have been to go to speak to, um, probably speak to both of them, but certainly the person who was very emotional and who was flying off the wall. Yeah, uh, just to go talk to them, and more. And I say talk to them, but basically ask them what what's going on and let them talk to me. Um, and let them just vent, I guess, really, because yeah. that's that's what needs to happen. Um, it needed and, to happen. And so, how, how how do you feel when you're sitting in your office listening to this? Are you like, oh my god, what's going on? Or should I do something about this? Or I'm trying to ignore all this? Have you ever, you know, have you ever been in a classroom and someone runs their fingernail across a chalkboard? <laughs> it was kind of like that, you know, like you're, you're just we, on ha pins we have and needles. to we have to explain to the new generation what a chalkboard is. <laughs> so a chalkboard is this black piece of thing on the wall. <laughs> it makes this horrible sound when you scratch it, pull your nails down on it. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like you it's like you have like little pins all over your skin, like uh yeah. you know, that you're you're not sure if you should do something, but you feel very uncomfortable. Imagine somebody strangling a cat, that kind of sound. <laughs> so Alexander, do you remember back on course when I was a nervous wreck when presenting for some reason? Okay, I, I want to talk about stuff like this too. <laughs> because I remember that because I was never a nervous wreck when presenting before. But I think just the pace of the course, all the stresses of all that activity every day, it just it just added up. And and when it came time for me to present my section of everything that I had planned to 
to the higher ups. It just, it just all fell apart. I couldn't focus on what I had to say. So, um, then thank you for trying to walk me through it, attempting to handhold me through all that. But after that, I, I mean, I, I still look back on that time and think like, holy crap, I was a mess. Um, what I did after was I started to recall, um, like breathing techniques. So when things like this happen again, even at like work today, uh, and there's like a million things happening, um, people are unhappy, customers are screaming, just basic breathing helps you kind of settle your brain and mind and focus and, uh, and not be a nervous wreck. So uh, I just wanted to expand on that because like my personal experience, I've always struggled with uh, presenting or knowing what to present or what to tell you. Yeah. Like I could come up with the best plan, but if I don't, and this is a big thing in leadership, if you don't present it well or convey it, it's a crap plan. Yeah. And like, I know personally, like I've always struggled on how to convey what's in my head (laughs) to people without like making it effectively or clear, concise communications. So and then, do you have a specific story? Well, just like every, like I know, like on course and stuff, I, I struggled in like presenting, um, doing presentations, and I, I struggled throughout on how to present with, as you kind of you said, like without being a nervous wreck. Because then that comes down to the confidence. The, the better you present it, it kind of eludes confidence in your plan. And like, I know personally, like I've had to, I've gone through Toastmasters um, to help uh, be a better, better public speaker in front of people, like using their tricks, um, thinking like writing down what you want to say, practicing what you want to say. So before you actually present, say your plan or whatever, you actually have practiced and rehearsed it so you know what you're going into. And I, I did find like on course, I don't know if you found the same, but like with the pace and everything, there's, there weren't always the opportunity to where you could um, have the amount of practice time. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I'll, I'll give you like, a kind of touch on three points, but the first one is there are some people who are amazing who can think on their feet oh, and yeah. are, are just, you're just like, holy crap. I don't know how you can make up, I, even if they're lying there, they, they just come up with stuff in the top of their head and just spit it out as if it was like, I don't know, amazing plan. Like, even if the plan is junk, it yeah. sounds good because they're so confident. Just speaking with and, confidence, right? And there's a, there was a handful of people, especially on our course. Like, yeah. And it's not just a course. I've throughout... And you could present the same information. Is they just had a way of orating it, like yeah, so effectively. Yeah. And then <laughs> I just remember on course I'd, when uh, I got it was like the first day, and they made me the had to present that J two brief. Okay. Yeah, I, and, I think I recall. And like yeah, do you know what we all like, we struggled, and I probably didn't I didn't give great direction or. But then at the end of the day, I was like, Fuck it, we got 15 minutes or, or I think I, I had planned it out. Everyone would work independently and then 30 minutes, or I can't remember how much time, but I got a good lot of chunk of time to rehearsals. Yeah. And it was not, it wasn't rehearsals for 
everyone else. It was rehearsals for me so I could present it. Yeah. And I think we, like, I remember going through it at least like four or five times rehearsing it. And with all the, the little team telling, of, like, in, Proving the uh, presentation every time. So it's like, no, mention this, mention that. Make sure you talk about. And then by the time we got to the final product, when I presented uh, to the DS, it was one of the better presentations. Yeah. And, I, re- <laughs> and I remember our, uh, I won't say their name, but our, our DS, our like course yep. DS, yep. said, I don't know what happened because I didn't see the final one but your rehearsal sucked. <laughs> and the D- that the guest DS loved your presentation. And I was like, yeah, no shit, it sucked because it was fucking rehearsals. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I knew if I did not practice and go through it like multiple times with the team, it wouldn't come across well. Even if, even if the information was correct is if you didn't present it clearly and concisely with confidence, the staff would be like, man, eh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. then another example, I'm a, a JTFN. Uh, Joint Task Force North based in Yellowknife. I was just, and I got, I had been there, I don't know, I was probably on year four. Uh, I was just hanging out and then something, one day the director comes in and he's like, you're now acting J3. Oh, by the way, tomorrow you got to present uh, a back brief to the commander. Yeah, surprise. Surprise. And I was like, okay. And I remember talking to my buddy who was the, um, had kind of put most most of it together. And I was like, all right, walk me through the plan. And like, and it wasn't too difficult because I had already, I had been part of the planning process on a previous year. So I, have an idea of what it is but then we i was like i was like tell me it and then i'm like okay i'm going to do rehearsals with you and i remember i presented to him and then i had him critique me and critique like pick up all the things that i was missing like and then the next day i just went and briefed the boss but i felt confident because i had that time and opportunity to rehearse it and it and it goes back to one of her what is one of the huge things rehearsal is doing rehearsal yep yeah will alleviate and that's like i as much as we went on course together was awesome the one thing we never really had enough time to do was rehearsals yeah so if i can jump in there the um i totally agree with what you're saying alexander that rehearsals are absolutely critical and for myself i don't usually find presentations difficult um, and part of the reason is because I always rehearse, even almost always, if I have time, I will rehearse my presentation, even for the smallest ones that are only like five slides long, just so I know, and I'll speak it out loud if I can. But for myself, where the problem always is, is the questions on the fly. And that's where I always kind of fail at these things. It's, it's, I, I'm not one of those people who, as you guys alluded to, can just you know come up with great answers just off the, the cusp. I, I have to sit there and think about it before I can come up with a really comprehensive answer. Um, so the way I try to get around that, there's a couple things. One is I, I, I try to force myself to take a pause when someone asks a really complicated question to give myself time to try to come up with something at least a little better than just bullshit off the top of my head. Um, 
And, and to be clear, the worst thing you can do is you can bullshit. Never, ever bullshit because then it comes back to haunt you. Because uh, most people will probably know you're bullshitting. And even you know you're bullshitting, so you know your credibility is going down. And, you know, they'll come, it'll come back to haunt you when they'll tell you later. They'll be like, yeah, I don't believe a word you said or just said. Um, and the other thing I try to do is I try to imagine questions that I might get. Um, and I, I know, I'm sure you've heard this before, but try to imagine the questions you get and then try to imagine, again, my answer to whatever that is. And, you, you know, you, 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 the odds of you getting the question or preparing correctly for the right questions is actually really small. But it's not really about that. It's about just having stuff in your head ready to go that you're already, yeah. you've already thought about. Yeah. So was there a time that you, where you blew it, Daryl? Absolutely. There's been quite a few times. Pick one. Um, so uh, I'm going to jump back to academia. So I've, uh, I've done a number of different uh, types of defenses and things in academia. And I had to redo my comp exam because I failed it the first time. What's a comp and exam? Uh, so this is when you're doing your PhD, you have to do a comprehensive exam. Okay. And it's basically where they give you a pile of materials to review, a, quite a, a very sizable pile of materials. And you're supposed to become an expert on all these materials. And then after you become an expert, so however many months they give you, you then go to an oral exam where you are basically just fired at, like they fire questions at you for, you know, maybe a couple hours, depends how long they want to take. And this is usually four or five professors who are just grilling you over yeah. a period of hours. And let me tell you, that was, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I find the presenting part, not hard. It's the answering questions on the fly, especially when, when you answer one question and then someone else jumps in and says, oh, no, 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 you didn't answer it right. And then they give you another question on top, uh, that, that, that where you have so little breathing yeah. room, I'm not uh, quick enough to do it. Um, and I, I really had to rehearse a lot more before I did it the second time to make sure I could get it right. Um, cause it, it was very difficult for me. Well, what happens is in business is people will just say like, "Yeah, we'll uh, we'll table that one for later," or exactly. Let me take Never, a note. I'll follow up with that with you later on. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, so, so well, yeah. So in the real world, don't be afraid to say you don't know, and you'll get back to them. You, yeah. you, I mean, you can't do that in academia when you're yeah, under an exam. But uh, yeah, absolutely. So if you're uh, if you're presenting to subordinates or peers in like a, a work setting, yeah, absolutely. Just be like, you know what? I'll get back to you. I'm gonna have to look into it. I don't know far better than bullshitting but then uh, actually get back to them too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, it goes back to like what was your thought of like notes or no notes no 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 notes, notes. yeah because like i'm a big believer like yes and it's the same toastmaster like memorize everything have it all scripted out and I, yeah if you if you got the time but i'm like because it but i'm like no I'd rather jot some notes down and put them on pages and track my presentation with some notes as backup than try and do the whole thing from memory. But I know like I remember in Toastmasters on course, they were like, it's better. It shows more confidence if you can just do it all yeah. from the top of your head. Yeah, it does sound better. Yeah. I'm not saying read your notes verbatim, but what I'm saying is like you have a like a a cue card of key points you need to say for each says. Yeah, and point. you can write that down and have it with you, but just not look at it. Because like, what's worse is you getting up there and you forgot, you lose your trail of thought, and you're like, whereas you can just quickly be like, oh, okay, these three points I need to make say right now. No, I, I totally agree with you, Alexander. That I, I prefer that approach where you have not everything written out, but you have like a key 
uh, a couple words just to trigger your memory on what topic yeah. you need to cover. And so you should be able to speak to it, uh, but you might also need to uh, have those little cues so you remember the order or, or something. If you, especially if you, you know, you get kind of stuck on your feet because you uh, get distracted or you lose your chain of thought, and you just like, okay, there's the next, there's the next point, and you can just jump to the next one and keep going. So we're, you we're just remember. Oh. Well, no, go ahead. I just going to say, maybe staple your cards, two cards together, because if you drop them, <laughs> and have them in the right order. <laughs> yeah, it's like an, expl an explosion versus, and then you got to pick them up, and you're like, hold on. Yeah. And then you you know you've you've you're done. You're done. As soon as you drop your cards, <laughs> you walk off the stage. You just might as well get, walk get off stage. Down. You're like, I'm over. No, 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 no. That that's when you you take the strategic pause. You grab the bottle of water, really slow sip, so no one knows that you're nervous. You you just gotta play cool, and everyone will think you're cool. So, yeah, I mean, as leaders, it, it's important to present well, present confidence. Where's that on our list of uh, principles of leadership? Inspire the team. Inspire the team. How can you inspire the team if you're a nervous wreck standing in front of them? So the those are all good good presentation lesson points. Kind of the thing I'm working on and what spurred this podcast is um, a bit of personal connection when you're speaking to people goes a long way. Things that I'm learning right now uh, and I've been practicing uh, at work is just pulling a little personal story into it to show them that uh, I'm not just somebody spewing facts and uh, potentially good plan or direction or vision to them, but um, an actual human being who uh, maybe has struggled, has made mistakes, have a bunch of experiences and stories to share. Uh, so and what's, an example that, like, what's an example of this? Like, can you give us an example? I just gave you a whole bunch. <laughs> I was a nervous wreck up on stage on course and overcame that because, you know, I'm just a regular human. Uh, I screwed up this podcast on take one because I'm just a regular human, didn't write down my, my checklist. So stuff, simple things like that. It doesn't have to be like a gigantic screw up, although those have happened too. One is uh, my original rejection from the Canadian forces, which you, you two probably haven't heard before, where, where I was... That was interesting. Yeah, I know. I was 17 and um, you know, watched a lot of Star Trek. So I thought, hey, the best thing that anybody could do is get some rank pips on their, on their collar and uh, go on an adventure. So, uh, you know, I was joined the Army or Navy or Air Force. Um, but I didn't want to do it full time because that sounded like a lot of work. So I found the reserves. And since I was uh, an engineering student, I thought I'd be a good engineering officer. Uh, so I went down to the service battalion and said, hey, I'm 17, I'm about to start university, uh, so I would be a great uh, officer uh, engineer. And they said, okay, um, sure, here's the forms, fill the forms, uh, come back, we'll have you meet the, meet the section head. So I fill the forms, I go back, I meet the section head, sit down in this you know, big giant office as a little 17-year-old kid uh, with this humongous major, or humongous in personality at least, major sitting across from me, uh, who basically looks at my file and is like, yeah, no, you, just because you meet all the minimum requirements and you've, you ha you're enrolled in university and you're in a technical degree, uh, that's not going to make you a good officer. And 
like why are you going to be why why are you here basically and like, I, I don't know, i'm here to learn and get the experience so that i can be a leader and he basically like destroyed my entire dream of uh <laughs> being an engineering officer and they sent me home they're like okay well we still have to process your your application so here's all the paperwork go home um fill it out and then come back next time so i um go home and and i'm distraught by being rejected by my dream job and forgot about filling out the forms didn't go back or maybe i did call them and say hey oh i yeah i forgot to fill out the forms can i still do this and um they basically said no no that's the end you're you're done you're finished go away so that kind of really sucked as a 17 year old so and i didn't know how to handle it at the time because i'm 17 i have no experience in life or anything at all uh and just sat in my room and, and sulked until maybe like a year later or something where uh there was an info session on campus and i went to it uh for the reserves and seemed like they really did need people so i tried again uh went in as a as an ncm private which was probably the better way for me to go because that allowed me to get all that experience that I needed and meet all these people that you never would otherwise meet uh, <laughs> like in the reserves. But I, I'd say to you, it would have probably been a better approach for the person who tore you down a bit to being like, I think this would be a better option. Yeah, yeah. Like... It's great that uh, the person was like, no, you don't meet the requirements. They could have just said... I did meet the requirements. The requirements oh, was you had to be enrolled in a university degree, and that was it. Okay, fine. You, <laughs> met, you, met, you met the basics, but they could have said, listen, I recommend you look at this avenue and yeah. then transition. Yeah, I mean, the irony is now I'm that section head. Yeah, but... but, but, but you do the same uh, thing. From, I don't do your, the same thing. But from your experience, you, if a young individual at 17 rolled rock came in, you're like... Which I did have. You, you would be like, I recommend this course of avenue or course, of, like, roll in, do this, do a couple of years, transition over if you want to, and you'll be a more rounded person. Yeah, that seems like the nice way to do it. Well, it's not the, it's the professional way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, if that per that person's in a leadership position, then they should be in a position to also give recommendations on how to maybe a better path that would be more suitable in the end game versus losing a candidate. I know you eventually came in, but like, I would have yeah, been so they, email, but they sir. could they could have had one. They could have had they, an email, sir. Yeah, who has a very technical degree. Yeah. That they we could exploit it, but we took a different course, and it was a cold hard truth, but didn't give you another option. Yeah, there was no guidance. It was just a yeah. rejection. So it's like it's like great. You re really just said, "Now you're junk, and we don't want you." No, I'm, I'm not saying like maybe we don't want you, but like. There's a, there's a job for someone in the forces, but it's the same probably in the in a business too. There is probably a job for someone. It's just getting them in the right 
path. Yeah. So I, I've definitely made that mistake before, the mistake of uh, the recruiter, I guess, for you, Conway, what they made. And that's where you provide uh, not overly negative feedback, but feedback that was not uh, in line with what the person was expecting. And uh, I guess where I'm going is managing expectations. So I'm, so I've uh, been the course officer for courses before, for example, in Shiloh, this is the one that comes to mind. And I provided, uh, you know, at the end of the course, after the month or whatever the course goes, you have to provide feedback to your staff and you, you know, you, you do like a, what used to be called a PDR. It's like, just like a little write-up of how you think they did. And, uh, let's just say when I was younger, I was probably a little bit more crude and be like, yeah, you did an okay job. You should do better kind of thing. And I've definitely learned that that's not the way to go with these things. If you tell someone uh, that they, you know, they've met the bare minimum, that you're, you know, they're okay, uh, they're not going to be happy. And they're, they're going <laughs> to, and in this case, I had that exact situation where I, I had a warrant officer and I, I pretty much said something along those lines. Like it wasn't bad. I didn't say he was awful. I just said he was, he was at best, he was average. <laughs> and, yeah. and so he blew up like he literally was going to throw the chair at me like he smacked the table slammed the door like he was so um you know i won't use any inappropriate words here but he was furious yeah and i, I was like what the hell did i do i didn't do anything like i just told him he was average he was okay <laughs> and so yeah um so there's a couple of things to to learn from that so i don't do that anymore um I, there's a whole bunch of things i've learned over the years from this one is that you never i used to for example i used to put the same number of positives as negatives so i put if i put three positives i made sure i put three things to improve on their their review um i don't do that anymore that's absolutely useless i never put more i usually just put one thing and because they're gonna if you want them to learn anything you put the most important point and if you put any more they're just it's lost it's just lost in the chaos they're just gonna be upset yeah. and they won't they won't hear anything um so i always try to put more positives than negatives and i, I try to always stick to just one thing to improve uh, one one thing to take away uh the other thing is managing expectations is huge if you're not happy with someone or if you if you think they're doing okay but they should improve on things you have to tell them before the end you can't just ambush them at the end with a review that says you know what uh you know, you did a mediocre job, uh, try better next time. If you do that, they're just going to explode. No matter, even the, the mildest person, the most genial person, they're still going to be pissed. They're going to, they're going to blow off, blow up on you. Um, so you can't do that either. Uh, so, yeah. let's, so that's my experience. Let's go back to that office. Okay. So this, this warrant officer is screaming at you. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? What did you do? Well, what did I do? Well, thankfully they stormed out and slammed the door and knocked all the stuff <laughs> okay. off the walls. Like the pictures <laughs> fell down. But you know, uh, of course, I was I was just you know this is more than I guess it's like at least ten years ago, and yeah. I was like, ah, what do I do? Oh my god! Ah. <laughs> you know, I'm like freezing up. Like there's this giant you know guy. He's like yeah. probably bigger than me. He's slamming shit around the room. Like, yeah. do I call someone? Like, I don't know. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a, an experience. You know, of course, my adrenaline's going, and I, I feel like I'm about to die. I mean, that's. It's uh, pretty exciting. Sure, but what what came out of that? Did anything happen after that, or did it just that was the end of it? Going into the next course, I got a different warrant. They're like, "Yeah, that guy can't work with you anymore. You're going to need a different warrant," kind of thing. Because there was actually multiple courses I was running back to back, mm. and uh, for everyone's uh, health, both mental and in my case, perhaps physical, because I might have been killed, uh, they they gave me a new warrant officer for yeah. the next course. But um, yeah, it was it was a really good learning experience on what how you should not approach. Okay, um, so how should you give constructive feedback? Uh, 
so well first of all you always couch it with compliments um and so like what i mean by that is that you should always give them a compliment first you don't just start with the the point to improve um give start with some positives you know and maybe end with positives too is a good approach but and somewhere in the middle you're like you know uh, and, and hard language is usually is not really the way to go most of the time you don't just be like you failed at this you suck at this you know we want we want it couched in like you know like niceties and like softer language be like you know it'd be really nice if you could improve on this because i've seen this and that's not really where we want you to be at and if you do that you might be uh, so much better in your career you know you try to uh, try to rationalize it try to be softer language try to put it in terms that they'll see it as a way to better themselves um, if they just see it as criticism from you then it, again it's just going to be ignored yeah uh, so how about yourself? So, I mean, you, you've had to deal with this kind of thing probably quite frequently in your job where you've had to provide, we'll call it constructive feedback uh, to people who work for you. How have you approached that? I want to hear from Alexander. Okay, Alexander. I think the thing is we do exactly what you just said. It's like, oh, let's create a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, the sandwich. It's like, oh, create the sandwich. A good idea, a bad idea. Or good, bad, good, and on a positive, and this is like great. It's like, but, but how I you don't, I don't how you deliver the bad matters still, regardless of how much good you wrap it in. I, I'd go back to what Daryl said, and it's like the reality is, is we need to be more active in engaging people early, so as not to blindside them when it happens. So if someone is struggling it's better to like address it earlier. So then when it does it, when you have to address it at the end, yeah, it's like, okay, we've had this discussion. This is what we did. Here's what we did to improve it. Or if you're going to give, and it goes back to the whole, give a, try and give rec- help also. Like let's just say they're, they're very bad at grammar. It's like, okay, your, your writing skills need to improve. So like, great. You wrote my writing skills need to improve. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, he, here's some of your things that you drafted. Here's where you need to improve. Um, here's some options. Like I keep seeing ads for Grammarly, like an app that you can just put yep. onto your thing to improve yep. your writing skills. So it's like, go with it with a, there's a problem and a solution. And as long as it's not outrageous, most people do know they have, they're not the strongest in everything. I think it also speaks to like our re- review system and, and a lot of companies and civilian organizations do the same thing where it's basically like an, an annual or like at the end of the term, right? And that can be very shocking, like Daryl experienced, where you've been going like this whole time for months or years or months and months or weeks and weeks. And then at the end, somebody suddenly tells you, oh, yeah, by the way, this whole time you could have done this better. Why didn't you tell me like you know six months ago? Yeah, I don't know how to make it better. I sometimes wondered there well, needs to be a way to like mentor someone. I think you mentioned it. It's like getting it early, right? So instead of yeah. waiting till the end or even like a mid year, should be like monthly, two weeks, weekly. But, but what do you think about immediacy? Like, what do you think about immediacy in terms of if you see something? Uh, erroneous, you try to correct it within the same day kind of thing. 
that can that can work. I'll, you know, people also, I don't know if people respond well to their boss saying, "Hey, can we chat?" <laughs> that's that's well, but, <laughs> scary. Uh, like, oh my god, what did I do? <laughs> but let's go back to your point. And like, if you're one, like you're a boss, you you got your company, and you're like, every month we're going to just spend x like 30 or 40 minutes and i'm just going to quickly we're going to go over some key points that i've noticed and it's not about picking out always flaws or it's more this is how we're going to improve both our our, ourselves going like to make the better end product and so you actually factor in some time to actually sit down and discuss stuff with your staff and maybe it's a one-on-one or maybe it's as a team like and then that hopefully will alleviate whatever the areas that are need improvement on or and then as a leader you a you get to know your subordinates better you humanize you humanize people and then they learn to how to work better for you yeah but it's still that one-on-one or that face to face uh like yeah facetime one-on-one and regularly like weekly monthly whatever it is but not like once every six months or yeah, and that's but it's so easy to fall into that trap. Okay, guys, I, I'm going to have to cut loose here. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you very much for hosting this, Conway. Hey, thanks for being being on here with me. Good. Thanks, luck. Alexander. You provided a lot of really good stuff. <laughs> thanks again for your time. I copy your lead, Daryl. Sorry about take one on Tuesday. Nope, nope. Never an issue. N- nope. Don't acknowledge mistakes. <laughs> Failure of leadership. <laughs> I was reminded during this chat how all three of us are a little more analytical than natural-born speakers or presenters, and thus we need that extra bit of rehearsal before presenting or speaking before a group. It's a good tip I hope some of you picked up on as well. There are also some themes on leadership starting to form, like the importance of having a pure network and also empathy for those you are responsible for. We'll continue to explore these themes in other episodes. This has been the Who's in Charge podcast with me, Conway Huey. Be sure to visit the website, conwayhuey.ca, to find show notes and more Boot Me. Connect with me via the website or LinkedIn. And thanks again for listening. Remember to rate this on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your favorite podcast service. <laughs>